Well, hey, Heritage. I want to welcome everybody across our network, whether you're joining us from Bettendorf here at Rock Island, maybe tuning in online, or the Menakewani. It is great to be back together after some time away over the holidays, and I hope you had some great time with family and friends, and I, I hope you even got a few gifts that you wanted or needed that have brought you joy. I had that experience a few times. In fact, one of those moments came right before Christmas in an all-team meeting where I received a gift that was a complete surprise. It was a, a, a unique gift, a special gift. And not just a gift for me, it's actually a gift for us. And I want to share that experience with you, and I'm able to do that by video because, well, the team was a little bit tricky about it. They actually captured my reaction, the presentation, and the message that came with the gift. So as we get started today, I just want to invite you to sit back for a few moments and check out what happened right before Christmas. All right, uh, we're starting, all team is a little bit different uh, today, so there is kind of a unique, well, I won't give too much of what we're going to do, but uh, so there's a quick little video uh, that I want you guys to watch, and um, yeah, just a little. <laughs> hey, Sean, you remember me? You in there? We appreciate uh, you and everything that Heritage has done for us. Um, I was sitting in service one day, and uh, for some reason, the sermon didn't strike me, and uh, I kind of wandered off a little bit, and I started sketching in my program. Um, I seen the table that you have that you usually set your Bible or your iPad on, and I thought I could come up with something better. So uh, to show our appreciation out here at Kiwani um, for Heritage and all that you guys do, I went ahead and made a table to replace that plastic one there, and I hope you guys like it up there, and hope it does a job for you. Um, it took me, I don't know, I've been working on it off and on uh, for a few months, but if you see the top here, I put a cherry wood inlay cross, and this is uh, walnut and oak. This middle wood here is maple, and the black wood is a... Uh, uh, the chief engineer, Jeff Olson, actually donated uh, some ebony for me. It's about 30 years old. Looks pretty good. Um, I'm pretty proud of the spindle on the feet here. It's, this is all out of reclaimed uh, pine 2x4s that I glued together and spun down on the lathe. Uh, this was actually a partition wall here in prison, so we're going to send a little piece of key one uh, back to you guys and rock on. Hopefully you enjoy it. Hopefully it'll hold up. Uh, Hold the big book. I know I think it's heavy sometimes, but I appreciate it. Thanks a lot, guys. Table here. So. Awesome. Wow. <laughs> so, yeah, it's awesome. The guy, the guys have, Sammy was working on it for a ton of time, and he was just like, I wanted to give it to you, so we thought we'd do it here with the team and let you guys, yeah, everybody enjoy it and see it, so. Hey, uh, hey Sammy, I, I just want to say thank you. I don't often thank people who don't pay attention in sermons. <laughs> This is one occasion that I feel loved and blessed by your labor of love. 
and I'm grateful for the relationship we have here at Heritage with, with our brothers in the Kiwani um, Life Skills Reentry Center. And I just want to say thanks. I don't have a whole lot of words because I'm kind of blown away by this, but thanks, brother. I really appreciate it. Look forward to giving you a hug next time I'm out there. And here it is. It is, a, it is a gift fit for a king. It's not just for me, it's for us as a church. And I, I am truly grateful for the relationship we have with our brothers in Kiwani. And more than that, grateful for how God's working in and through that. And uh, I want to put it to good use just starting today. We're going to get this thing going and uh, lean into our Building Blocks series. Uh, in fact, this is a conversation for us where we're recognizing that we all start somewhere. And, and here's the thing. This is a... This is a common time to think about new beginnings at the start of a new year. It's a natural point for us to think about what can be better or different in, in our lives. And, and that's, that's something that we recognize, but maybe don't always know how to steward, don't necessarily know how to make the most of those opportunities. But it is a natural time for us to kind of lean in and understand what's possible in our lives. And, and it may be a desire that we have to do that because our experience over the holidays may not have been that great. Maybe we experienced some disappointment. Maybe our time with family just revealed brokenness in life. And maybe some of it was good, but maybe not all of it was all that great. But, but January 1st gives us this opportunity to chase something new. It's a benchmark moment that allows us to, in some sense, try again. And we see that in New Year's resolutions every year. New Year's resolutions are kind of starting points for us to, to be able to lean into something new or different, to achieve something new or different in our lives. But New Year's resolutions also highlight for us a, a reality, and it's the tagline for our series, the, the reality that we all start somewhere. We all start where? Somewhere. We all start somewhere, regardless of what age we are, what status we are in life, whether, whether we're pursuing our very first New Year's resolution or our 21st New Year's resolution. We all start somewhere. If we want to go somewhere, we, we start somewhere. But here's the thing. Most don't. You see, we all start somewhere, and most stay there. That's your first feeling if you want to use your note guide as we dive into the Word of God today. See, many people stay there. Too many people stay there. Everyone starts somewhere, but, but not everybody goes anywhere. And we want to change that as we lean into this conversation around building blocks. You know, researchers say that about 40% of Americans engage in a New Year's resolution, but only 8% actually see that goal realized. So 92% of people don't actually live into a new or a next. Many, of, many people don't even try because they're afraid of the, the failure or the not being successful and it's like, why even bother? And I think if we're honest with each other, we can, we can struggle with where we are and our ability to get where we need to go. And that's one of the reasons why I'm excited about the Building Block series. Because it, it recognizes that we all start somewhere and there is a way to move forward. It's a conversation that's rooted in the reality that if we want to go somewhere, we have to start somewhere. And so we're starting our new year by having a conversation over the next few weeks that helps us understand how we get there. How we live into life to the full. And I'm looking forward to how God's going to use it in your life and my life. 
See, when it comes to those New Year's resolutions, there's lots of reasons why we don't necessarily hit those or, or achieve those. Sometimes we, we set too many of them. Sometimes they're just overly ambitious, maybe overly restrictive. Maybe even some of the early setbacks derail us completely. But I think one of the more common problems in achieving a New Year's resolution is that we base it entirely on a date. That it's based on a date alone. And I got to tell you, a date is a very poor building block. A date does not change behavior. It does not adjust lifestyle. A date is a very poor building block. January 1st is a clearly identified moment for us to step towards a new beginning, a new year, new beginnings. But a date or any date is not enough. The, a date doesn't change behavior. It, it, it gives us a context and it even gives us a starting point. But the truth is, we have the opportunity with, of a new beginning every day. Every day gives us the opportunity for a new beginning. That, that's actually a biblical principle that's rooted in who God is. If we jump to Lamentations chapter 3, we can read this. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Every day, we have an opportunity for a new beginning. And that is great. It's wonderful. But listen. A date is not enough. It takes more than a date. A date is not an effective building block alone. That's why many New Year's resolutions aren't realized and why there's only 8% who actually live into it. Check this out for a moment. Anybody know what the acronym CMU stands for? CMU. It, it, in the context of construction, you have any idea what CMU stands for? You can put your hand up, Bettendorf, Rock Island, you think you might know what it means? All right, maybe a few of you. It's concrete masonry unit. Concrete masonry unit. And some of you are like, yep, I knew that. Some of you are like, what is that? <laughs> well, let me show you. A concrete masonry unit is this bad boy right here. It's a concrete block, a cement block, a foundation block, or or a cinder block. In fact, we use cinder block as a catch-all for all these types of blocks, but technically a cinder block is only one that's made from fly ash or bottom ash. But regardless of what it's made of, this is a foundational building block. It's a basic building block. But again, hear me, a date alone is a poor building block. If we're trying to get somewhere new based on a date alone, it's highly likely we won't ever get there. We actually need to understand the principles that allow us to make the most of every new moment every day. We need to understand the building blocks that allow us to achieve something significant in life or in the faith dynamic to actually achieve something of eternal value. And in the, build, in the building block series that we're going to walk through, we're going to look at five building blocks that allow us to live into being part of the 8%, that allow us to live into getting where God wants us to go and becoming who he wants us to be. Five specific building blocks that, that we see manifested and demonstrated in the life of a man named Nehemiah. Now we're going to walk through all of them through the course of our series, but today I just want to focus in on the first one. And the first one is spiritual intensity. Spiritual intensity. We all have potential, yet our ability to live into that potential rests on whether or not we understand the building blocks that allow us to get there, to understand how we arrive. And the very first building block 
is spiritual intensity. What I mean by spiritual intensity is specifically our spiritual vitality. It's our, it's our passion. It's our intimacy. It's our, our priority. It's the strength of our spiritual lives. And it defines far more than many of us realize in our daily life. It is the foundation. And hear me, prayer is the primary expression of spiritual intensity. In fact, I'll go so far as to say it this way. That prayer is the foundation of achieving anything great. Prayer is the foundation of achieving anything great. Engaging God in conversation, engaging His power, His perspective, His provision, prayer is the foundation of achieving anything great. It's true in relationships, it's true in our family, it, it's true in our careers. Spiritual intensity is the key. It changes us. It mobilizes the power of God. It even influences circumstances in the world. Now, certainly we can achieve some things on our own. And we can achieve some good things on our own. God has given us gifts, talents, and abilities, tons of potential. We, we're image bearers of him. So we can achieve some things on our own. But hear me, they will only ever be good. They will never be great without him. The things that we achieve on our own may not even be good. They could be actually not so good. But it, it will never be great apart from him. And prayer is the foundation of achieving anything great. There was an evangelist by the name of Dwight L. Moody. He once said that every great movement of God can be traced to a kneeling figure. He's saying every great movement of God can be traced to someone who prayed. And he's totally right. Because prayer is the foundation of achieving anything great in our lives. The building block of spiritual intensity undergirds that. Prayer is the primary expression of that spiritual intensity, which is our first building block. Now, I don't just want to talk about the concept. I don't just want to theorize about it. I want to, I want to look at this in Scripture. I want to see this in practice. And so I want to invite you, if you have a Bible, to grab it and go ahead and click or turn with me to the book of Nehemiah. In the Old Testament, if you, if you move through the Psalms and Kings and Chronicles, you hit Ezra and then Nehemiah. After that, Esther, Job, Psalm, Proverbs is too far. We're in Nehemiah chapter 1. I invite you to go there. If you don't have a Bible, your scriptures are in the note guide that you received on the way in, and we'll have them up here on the screen. But we're going to Nehemiah chapter 1 as we begin our conversation. And let me just frame a bit of what this is. This is a personal account of Nehemiah. Some think that Ezra helped in writing it, but it's written from the perspective of Nehemiah. So we, we see I, the word I used a lot, the personal pronoun I. And, and it helps probably to understand a little bit of history prior to this moment. See, the people of God, the Israelites, entered into the promised land and enjoyed God's favor for many years. But at some point along the way, they decided they wanted a human king like everybody else. And God acquiesced, and so they ended up with Saul as their first king. Then they had David as their second king, and then they had Solomon as their third king. They each reigned for about 40 years, so 120 years there was a united kingdom that, that, that God worked and moved in, and, and they struggled a bit, but those were the kings. And at the end of that time, when Solomon died, the kingdom divided into a northern kingdom and a southern kingdom. Israel in the north, Judah in the south. There were ten tribes in the north and two tribes in the south. During that next season, there were 39 different kings. And of those 39 kings, there were only eight that were good and godly. There were 19 kings in Israel, there were 20 in Judah, and all eight were down in Judah. There were none who were good and godly in Israel. 
So they struggled with obedience. They struggled with faithfulness to God. And as a result, God allowed them to be conquered. First by the Assyrians in Israel. And then the Babylonians came in and, and messed with Judah. And they destroyed the temple. And actually they gathered up all the people. And they, and they took them to Babylon in exile. It was a difficult time. But even in that space, some of the Jews experienced God's favor as they were faithful to him. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego experienced the favor of God while exiled in Babylon. Esther became queen to, the king, queen to the king of Persia. She experienced favor as after the Babylonian Empire came the Persian Empire. But during that whole space and time, especially early on in the Babylonian exile, many of them just settled in with no desire to go back to Jerusalem, no, no desire to go back to the God's promised land for them. In fact, it was about 50 to 70 years into the Babylonian exile that the Jews were given an opportunity to go home. And of the two to three million Jews who were exiled, you know how many actually went back? About 50,000. The rest of them chose to stay where they were rather than live, get back into living where God had called them. After that return moment, about 90 years later, this is where we find Nehemiah. And, and Nehemiah is living in the palace of the king of Persia and he has a role of prominence and influence. But the walls of Jerusalem have been in, in rubble for about 150 years at this point. So let's pick this up, Nehemiah chapter 1, starting at verse 1. These are the memoirs of Nehemiah, son of Hakaliah. In late autumn, in the month of Kislev, and, and, and Kislev in the ancient Hebrew lunar calendar would have been like November, December time frame, and the year was 446 B.C. So in late autumn at 446 B.C., in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes' reign, I was at the fortress of Susa. He's in the king's palace. Han and I, one of my brothers, came to visit me with some other men who had just arrived from Judah. So these are people who had gone back to Judah. I asked them about the Jews who had returned there from captivity and about how things were going in Jerusalem. They said to me, things are not going well. For those who returned to the province of Judah, that because they are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem has been torn down and the gates have been destroyed by fire. Now, we may not feel or sense the complexity of this because we don't live in cities with walls. But in, in this time period, walls were, were a source of security and safety and peace of mind. They were a defense. And then without them, People were positioned to be attacked at any time, to be, to be victimized at any time. Your family could be attacked, and so they were living in constant fear. They couldn't even have anything of value because if they built or acquired something of value, it could easily be taken. It was in this space, understanding the complexity of that, that Nehemiah understood that complexity, even in a place he'd, he'd never been in amongst the people he'd never met. So here's how he responds. He said, when I heard this, I sat down and wept. In fact, for days I mourned, fasted, and prayed to the God of heaven. Nehemiah encounters a need which ends up becoming connected to his next. The dynamic of having the walls down for 150 years was significant. But he continues in this process to understand how God was going to work in and through this. And there are two truths that I think we need to understand that lay a foundation for us in the rest of our Building Blocks series. And that leads us to the next fill-in in your note guide. That spiritual intensity is birthed in brokenness, not strength. Spiritual intensity is birthed in brokenness, not strength. It's birthed in dependence, not capacity. 
The spiritual intensity we're talking about is not rooted in our strength, it's rooted in God's strength. So it's it's birthed in brokenness, not strength. The, the, the spiritual vitality that we need to live into fullness is rooted in the power of God. So here's what that often means. What that means is God needs to frame or remove or set aside our strength so that his power can prevail and be most prominent. And that often comes through brokenness, which can be in the form of sorrow. It can be in the form of hardship or challenges. It could be a combination of both opportunities and challenges where you got something good going on, but something that's kind of complicated. That was Nehemiah's situation. He, he, was, he was with great favor serving in a prominent role. But, but he was exiled and he was a servant and he was not free. It was this odd combination. But that actually positioned Nehemiah to, to develop a spiritual intensity out of brokenness that God could use. And spiritual intensity is birthed in brokenness, not strength. You may have heard it said that when God wants to do some, an impossible task, he takes an impossible person and he crushes them. That's true. Now, the crushing process can look different for different people in different circumstances. But I can personally attest to how God brings circumstances and and situations of crushing into my life to position me to yield and submit so that his power can prevail. So that there's a spiritual intensity that allows his purpose to be achieved. And the same was true for Nehemiah. Here here was a guy who had never, never been to a place, didn't know the people, but deeply stirred by it. It, Where he was located was about 800 miles away from Jerusalem, about the distance from Chicago to New York City. So how does he care about a place and a people he's never met or never been to? It's because he had a heart for the things of God and other people more than himself. And that would position him to see God do something significant through a spiritual intensity as he allowed brokenness in his life. See, see, God wanted to use Nehemiah to do something significant, but he first had to do something significant within Nehemiah before he could do something significant through him, which takes us to the next fill-in if you're still tracking through, that God often does something significant in us before he seeks to do something significant through us. That's a foundational reality in our building blocks journey, that Before God does something through us, he seeks to do something within us. That was the reality that God was going to do something through Nehemiah, but first he wanted to do something in Nehemiah. And what he would do is he would use Nehemiah and his his counterparts to accomplish something that nobody could do for 150 years, rebuild the wall, and to do it in 52 days. Prayer, spiritual intensity, the foundation of achieving anything great. And God often seeks to do something significant in us before he seeks to do something significant through us. So God did that in Nehemiah. Any great work that God seeks to do, he will look for someone who is willing to be transformed internally before they're used externally. He's looking for readiness. And I'm going to tell you, one of the key components of readiness is connected back to prayer. That any great movement of God can be traced back to a kneeling figure. It is the foundation of anything great. It is the expression of spiritual intensity and it is something that Nehemiah engaged in regularly. Let's take a look at how he prayed here in verse five. Then I said, which it could be, then I prayed because it's exactly what he's doing and this is not the last time we'll see him do this. O Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of unfailing love with those who love him and obey his commands. Listen to my prayer 
Look down and see me praying night and day for your people Israel. I confess that we have sinned against you. Yes, even my own family and I have sinned. We have sinned terribly by not obeying the commands, decrees, and regulations that you gave us through your servant Moses. Let me just frame this for a moment. This is happening. He's praying this prayer about a thousand years after Moses, but still a good 400 years plus before Jesus arrives. It's in the context of history and the story of God's people that he's reminding God, asking God to remember what's happened before so that what can happen next can be. And so he says, please remember what you told your servant Moses. If you are unfaithful to me, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands and live by them, then even if you are exiled to the ends of the earth, I will bring you back to the place I have chosen for my name to be honored. No matter what we do, our faithfulness, our leaning into spiritual intensity matters. And God can work miracles out of that. He says beyond this, he says, The people you rescued by your great power and strong hand are your servants. Oh Lord, please hear my prayer. Listen to the prayers of those of us who delight in honoring you. Please grant me success today. Success today by making the king favorable to me. Put it into his heart to be kind to me. Now let me hold right there. Because this is a fantastic prayer. It's a great prayer with very specific components to it. And I encourage you on your own time to, to go back and look at what he's doing in each of the sections of the prayer because it connects to a format we've talked about before. We've talked about some acronyms to help us to pray and structure our prayer life. One of those is CHAT which is confess, honor, ask, and thank. You will find all four of those elements in Nehemiah's prayer. Maybe not in that same order, but they're there. One of the other acronyms that we've talked about before is ACTS, A-C-T-S, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. I encourage you to consider using a format like that. I encourage you to look at how Nehemiah prayed and see what you can learn out of his prayer life to apply to your prayer life. It's significant. We'll talk more about that later in our series, but I want to get back to what he, what he says at the very end of this chapter. He says, in those days, I was the king's cupbearer. That's pretty significant. You see, he was essentially a personal bodyguard to the king. He would taste the wine and the food that the king was to eat to make sure it wasn't poisoned. It's a fascinating job. Because <laughs> if he did it right, and you survived, you did it good, that's great. You, you, ate, you ate it and died, you, you, you did your job well. <laughs> it's a fascinating job to me. But here's the thing, it, it required high trust. It required a unique relationship between the king and the cupbearer. And, and Nehemiah served in that role. It was a place of influence. It was a place of, of, of service. We'll talk more about that as we lean further into the series, specifically next week. But I want to move now to the so what reality for us. What do we do with what we're talking about? I mean, there is a right way and a wrong way to start a new year. There is a right way and a wrong way to build something. In fact, let me just go back to our chunk of concrete for a moment. You know, for many years, I just looked at these things as just blocks of concrete. But there's a lot more to what a CMU really actually is. It's designed very specifically. In fact, the ends of each CMU are specific to purposes. You can have some of them that have spaces that are jam blocks that allow you to secure a door frame. You can have other ones that are control joints that allow you to put fill and other things to, to provide strength as they connect with the mortar and the blocks around them. 
There are kinds that have radiused ends or, 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 or bull noses that have specific purposes on that end of the, of the block itself. And in fact, on the inside, the holes are the, called the cores. And, and there can be two, there can be three, and there can be four. And, and they're designed to allow fill from like steel and other things so that it provides strength in, in, in wind and seismic forces. I mean, the, there is more to this thing than just a chunk of concrete. <laughs> but did you ever know that there's a top and a bottom to a CMU? There is a right way and a wrong way to carry a CMU. And I have carried hundreds of them the wrong way. Because the CMU actually has a space where you can carry it differently in the front, in the, in the center here. You see how that's kind of thick? But on this side, it's kind of thin. It's flared. <laughs> so you can easily grab it and set it, carry it. And I have been, I have not, for years, I did not understand that. And I tried to carry these things by trying to squeeze that concrete. And, and unless you have the forearms of Popeye, man, you like stop a lot and set them down. But, but there's a flare here part in the middle allows you to carry it. And it's not just for carrying. It's, it's so the mortar can be spread generously so that the contact can be made securely. The, the, these things are more than just concrete blocks. They're intentionally designed building blocks to be part of something bigger, to, to provide strength and stability to something that lasts and steadfast. But when we don't understand that it's more than just a piece of concrete, we don't understand how the building block is designed and which, which is top and which is bottom and, and how to actually engage it, well then it's just a block. And then we don't build well, and then we can't carry it very far, and then we don't accomplish the goal that we actually have in mind. See, there's a right way and a wrong way to build with a CMU. And there's a right way and a wrong way to build in life. There's a right way and a wrong way to start a new year. There's a right way and a wrong way to build the kingdom of God. And as we step further into our building block series, I want to prepare us with three very simple but practical steps that position us to go where God wants us to go and be who he wants us to become. The first of those simple realities is that we need to recognize your next. You need to recognize your next. You have a next. God has a next for you. It may be a lesson to learn. It may be a task to complete. It may be something uh, that centers around an opportunity or a challenge. It may be connected to something specifically just around a new level of freedom in your life. You have a next. It, it could come in the form of a problem. It could come in the form of an opportunity. You have a next. It, it, lift your eyes and look for the next. Recognize the next. It may come in the form of a need. Maybe a physical need, a spiritual need, relational need. Maybe just a form of an injustice. Because that's what happened for Nehemiah. Nehemiah heard about an injustice and recognized the need and he was stirred by it. He was moved deeply. In verse 3, he heard about this problem, but then he actually felt something more than that. It moved within him deeply. He began to recognize what would become his next, but he needed to confirm it first and then he needed to understand how to get to it. So recognizing the next was first, but that takes us to the second reality and that is that we need to lay the foundation. Lay the foundation, which is to pray, to pray for wisdom. Nehemiah laid a foundation of something great, not through planning and not through preparation, but through prayer. The planning, the preparation, the provision, the self-discipline, the strength to accomplish the task would all come as a direct result of prayer. 
not planning. He laid the foundation so that God could do what God wanted to do. Prayer, the, the primary expression of spiritual intensity, is how we lay the foundation to live into the next. God confirmed his next, and then God began to tell him how. So here's the thing. Anything big or small in our life, prayer is essential. If we don't take time to pray about the next, to pray about the need, we run the risk of chasing something that is of us and not of God. Chasing something that is born out of flesh rather than born out of the divine. And Nehemiah and his burden for Jerusalem and a people he'd never met was not born out of flesh. That was born out of the divine. He cared about a people he'd never met in a place he'd never been to. Because he had a spiritual intensity that he continued to focus back towards the Lord. And he took time to pray. And if we're going to experience life to the full, it's essential to listen and pray. To hear and obey. One of the challenges in that is that God doesn't always move in response to our prayers in the timing that we want or the way we want. But I think sometimes we can look at Scripture and see, well, we see the whole story and like, well, that was easy, he prayed, and then God... No, it's, it's not always that easy, and we can think, well, they're just special people. Well, maybe they have some unique realities in their life, but God loved them just as much as he loved us. And so it's not just about them being special. See, prayer, that foundation often requires a process. And, and we can look at this and say, well, God moved very quickly. But hear me, when Nehemiah prayed, Lord, give me favor with the king today... He prayed for that to happen in that moment. But it actually took four months to see that answer fully realized. Four months. And I think often the spiritual intensity that we bring to laying a foundation stops well short. Maybe at four days. Maybe at four times. When if we just continue to be faithful in laying the foundation. Because often when we want something to happen now... God is actually positioning it a little further out. Whatever that goal is, whatever that desire, that passion, that hope, that dream, God is often positioning it out a little bit further so that he could first do a work in us before he does that work through us. Be willing to lay the foundation. I realize for some of you, that foundation actually connects to your relationship with God at a basic level. See, everybody has access to God through prayer, but the power of prayer is connected to a relationship with God through Jesus. The, the full power that is available through prayer is connected through relationship with God through Jesus. And if you don't have a relationship with God today, through Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I encourage you to take the time to lay that foundation. There's a prayer in the back of your note guide, some simple steps that, that allow you to lay the foundation of having a relationship with God through Jesus and then the full power available through prayer, the full spiritual intensity that can be brought to bear into our life is actually available through him. And I encourage you to consider doing that. Once though you recognize the next, once you lay that foundation, the next thing for us is to start where you are. Now I know that connects back to the tagline. Some of you wrote and filled that in 20 minutes ago. I get that. <laughs> But it's a, it's a simple reality that we have to embrace. We start where we are. You want to get to where we're supposed to go and need to go? Start where you are. Step boldly. Step in obedience. Step in faithfulness. And don't wait to do it. Start where you are. Again, we can want that thing and want that thing that be happening now, but often God pushes it out. But don't wait to step in faithfulness. Step in faithfulness and obedience now. Let God work out the timing and the details around it. Understand this. Nehemiah was not in Jerusalem when he developed the burden. 
He didn't have resources. He was not empowered. He wasn't even free to pursue that burden. He simply had a burden and he was submitted. And he started where he was. So start where you are. Because that's where God does the miraculous. When we connect recognizing the next to laying the foundation of that spiritual intensity in prayer and we step faithfully right where we are, God does what seemingly seemed impossible previously. And whatever you're facing, whatever relationship challenge, difficulty, hardship you're facing today, it could be that God's actually using that to position you to step into joining him in his great work in his timing. So recognize your next, lay the foundation, and then start where you are. This, this is exactly how we seek to live as a church in all that we do. These, these principles can be seen in, in what we did 12 months ago. 12 months ago, we started to communicate about bold moves and the peace and prosperity of our cities. That was a direct result of recognizing a next and laying a foundation and starting right where we were. And I look forward to, in this series, giving you some highlights and updates about those investments. But we're continuing in the process to recognize the next, lay the foundation of spiritual intensity, and then just continue to start where we are. And I encourage you to do the same because that's where God does what people think is impossible. So whatever you're facing, the challenge, the opportunity, your position today with a new beginning, that next will first stir within you before God gives that vision fully to you. That comes as you lay that foundation and you pray and you wait on him. But then ultimately, like every other journey, it starts with a single step. And if you want to get where God wants you to go, become who he wants you to become, whether it's out of a habit or out of a, a fitness issue or, or out of a career reality, whatever it is, start where you are. Embrace the reality of where you are, but step in faithfulness. Allow him to work in you so he can work through you. It's ultimately, if we want to see great change, we, we need more than a date. We need spiritual intensity. And for us, that spiritual intensity comes through a relationship with God through Jesus as we lay the foundation and engage prayerfully before our Lord. Even if you're facing opposition, even if the, the task is immense, big, huge, even if you don't have the resources to see it realized, recognize the next, lay the foundation and start where you are because God shows up in unimaginable ways. As we continue through our, bold, or our building blocks process, we're gonna see that spiritual intensity was a key component to Nehemiah's entire journey that allowed him to accomplish in 52 days what others could not do in 150 years. My prayer for you this week is that you will take the time to recognize the next, lay the foundation, and start where you are and watch God do what people think is impossible. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you for the opportunity to step into a new year. I thank you for the opportunity to, to experience relationship with you through Jesus. Lord, I, I am grateful that you actually seek to do something within us before you seek to do something through us. I pray you'd help us to be patient in that, to allow you to do that that we would not only recognize where we are, but be actually willing to step out of that. Not just stay there, but to step beyond that. As we recognize the next, lay that foundation and start right where we're at. Give us your power. 
Give us the spiritual intensity that comes from knowing you through Jesus. Help us to stand in places you're calling us to. Help us to be faithful and obedient and disciplined in, in areas of our own lives as we live towards that next. Whatever my brothers and sisters face today as a next, Lord, may they find strength in you, a spiritual intensity to undergird them as they live into the fullness of life you call them to. I thank you that you give us that opportunity. I pray these things in the strong and mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen.